Hi, everyone. This is Mitch Ivan. Welcome to episode 11 of the Tuesday Afternoon Podcast. Let's talk about Ron DeSantis's white boots. There's two big political stories in the news right now. Well, one is actually big. One is not so big. But they're both kind of entertaining in their own way. And the first one, of course, is Ron DeSantis's white knee highs. In what was clearly, obviously, a photo op, an almost Trump-like photo op, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida decided to wear big white boots. Now, you would think that wouldn't be a bad idea. There's nothing wrong with big white boots. I mean, I mocked Republicans when they made fun of President Obama because he wore a tan suit. That was a major scandal in Republican circles, and it was laughable. So why are us progressives making a big deal? Are we being hypocritical because, you know, we're making a big deal out of Ron's white boots? Well, first of all, let me say I could care less, and I'm sure every liberal could care less if Ron wore white boots every day. As a matter of fact, Ron's, this particular outfit that Ron was wearing, I could even get behind. Dare I say I might have done it, although I wouldn't particularly pick white. I do like a flashy outfit, not going to lie. But in this particular instance, it was just silly. Obviously, Florida has just been through a living nightmare. The hurricane has destroyed different areas of the western coast of Florida and um, wreaked havoc throughout the state. And DeSantis, you know, hasn't really done a terrible job as governor considering the, how low the bar is for Republican governors in disaster-like moments and Republican politicians, DeSantis has done okay, minus this whole controversy about Lee County and him supporting the Lee County when they, when Lee County, although Lee County was always within the potential cone where the hurricane would come, Lee County waiting and waiting and waiting until the last minute to order an evacuation. And then DeSantis standing behind Lee County officials as they doubled down on their screw-up, which unfortunately has resulted in, I think the count today was 74, that might have been yesterday, but 74 total deaths. And I, I don't know how many of those were in Lee County, but the vast majority of them were. And hopefully, God willing, that's there won't be any more. But anyway, overall, DeSantis's response as a governor the hurricane has been okay. You know, it hasn't been a fiasco, as we've ex- come to expect from Republican leaders. The thing about the boots is I don't know exactly where he was out, helping out, but he had these big white knee-high boots on. And he had jeans on, fashionable jeans, which, you know, I can appreciate. And he had his Ron DeSantis campaign vest on, and the boots were color-coordinated with his outfit. And the boots matched his wife's outfit. I mean, the boots, the whole outfit, not just the boots, but his outfit was exactly the same as his wife's outfit. It was clearly intentional and choreographed, and it was what made it so 
appalling is that it was a campaign stunt. I don't know if I'd call it a stunt, but it was that 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 it was campaign centric. That it was a campaign centric effort in the midst of the destruction and chaos. You know, a very serious situation. And you would expect politicians in that circumstance to go out of their way, not to campaign, not to use that opportunity as a photo op. And that's really the appalling part of it. That's, it, it, it's, it's that within GOP leadership, leadership circles, I said leadership, I meant leadership, but perhaps my first option was better. But within Republican circles these days, there's no, there's no filter. There's no inappropriate behavior. It's just do what you want, you know? And, 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 and whatever it is, if you're criticized for it, then you're a victim. You know, the left is out to get you. Democrats are are out to get you. And if you're not criticized for it, um, then you're not a victim. But either way, in GOP circles, you're a hero. You know, he's a hero because he got out there and he was helping. Not that that's not the responsibility of every governor in every state that deals with any disaster, but he's the greatest hero that ever happened. And if we make fun of him for it or we criticize him for campaigning, in, in essence, right after a disaster, then he's a victim. And if he's a victim, then he becomes a hero if he stands up to the bullies, quote-unquote, who are victimizing him. So that's the appalling part of the whole thing. The funny part is that, obviously this is a podcast, if you haven't seen the image, I can't show it to you, but the funny part is that it looked ridiculous. He looked ridiculous. He looked laughably ridiculous. He had these basically these knee-high, bright white, Wonder Bread-colored boots on. We had a waterproof boots, and as I said, he had his designer jeans on. Appropriately um, toughened, is that the word? You know, it's like, it's like designer jeans for men, I have a pair on right now, have these like, you know, from the kind of like, I guess, it, and I'm sure it's intentional, but from like the upper thighs up to the waist, they kind of have like, uh, they have like, it, it accentuates your area. And, and it's not an accident, but he had those kinds of jeans on, right? It wasn't even like, you know, jeans that you would wear to go out and work, right? Because he was supposed to be out there working. And then, the, and then that was funny, of course, because I, I took notice of that. And I took notice of that because I had a horrible job for four years where I worked in Nordstrom uh, selling men's sportswear. And we always sold jeans. So that's, I noticed jeans. Um, but then the comedy was the boots and the vest with the campaign logo on the vest and his wife literally matching, matching him. So... Um, there's that. So go for it, Governor Ron DeSantis. Good luck to you. The other big story, which I think is way more, which is way more of a big story, is 
Christian Walker, Herschel Walker's son. Now, if you're not familiar, if you're not following politics, I can't imagine you're listening to my podcast. If you're not, because I don't know how I appeal to you, but I appreciate that you're here. But anyway, Herschel Walker is running for Senate in the state of Georgia. He's challenging current incumbent Raphael Warnock. Warnock is the Democrat. Now, Herschel Walker has a few things uh, against him right now in terms of the race. One is obviously polling. He's polling. Last time I saw, I mean, I don't, I don't pay much attention to polls anymore, I have to admit. But every once in a while, I check it and check them. And I think in, in my own um, unofficial uh, review of the polls, looking at them once in a blue moon, I think he was anywhere from three to nine points behind um, Warnock at any given point. So he, he wasn't, wasn't looking good for him, you know. Um, which for Georgia, Republican not looking good for a Senate victory is, is bad for the GOP in Georgia overall. But um, on top of that, Herschel Walker is an idiot. And I, I mean, I, I hate to make fun of the guy. I, I, I don't, I, I, I shouldn't call him names. That's not nice. But he's just not, he's just not. Just not very bright. I mean, if, if um, and and that and that's sort of been the running joke among the left is that Herschel Walker would be well. It was a terrified joke in, in in a way, whether we were in Georgia or out of Georgia, because he's like Donald Trump. He's a buffoon, and he couldn't string a functional sentence together. And look, I mean, I can't either half the time. You listen to this podcast. It's not scripted. It's run of the mill. If you listen to my podcast regularly, it's not that different in terms of its, you know, my overall uh, sense of literacy. I, I, I don't think it's all that more impressive than any Herschel Walker interview. But I'm not running for state senator. I'm allowed to be an imbecile. It's an option for me. We can't have elected leaders, especially at the U.S. Senate level, as buffoons. You just can't. Can't have them in the House. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert. Louis Gohmert. These people are not qualified to walk their dogs if they have them. They shouldn't be... Members of Congress, Tommy Tuberville, Senator Tuberville, another buffoon. We're electing imbeciles. And yes, they're all Republicans. Democrats have not opted yet. Doesn't mean we're not going to do it. But we haven't opted yet to elect Fools into office. We've made mistakes, sure. We've elected criminals. It's happened. But we are not getting into the habit of electing, choosing morons to represent us in the House of Representatives and the Senate. And I can only imagine, I don't pay attention to state politics and I should, I can only imagine what's going on at the state level, especially in red states. But irrespective, irrespective, Herschel Walker's campaign is 
almost certainly done. I, I can't imagine it's not now. Because today, I think it began yesterday. I only really caught wind of it today. But Herschel Walker's son has been fairly active on social media over the last couple of months during the course of his campaign. And his son, um, in the, you know, for months seemed to be very supportive of his father. I mean, it, I've seen some of his social media posts. It didn't, it didn't initially seem that way. It didn't initially, how do I explain this? Like, when, when you watched Christian Walker's earlier social media posts, he was talking about things like family values, you know, typical GOP talking points. And, um, but he wasn't specifically praising his father, if I remember correctly, but he was talking about these family values. Herschel Walker was talking about these family values. This is, and even before, you know, we knew uh, good reporting had come out that Herschel Walker was a womanizer. He was an adulterer. He had multiple children from multiple women. Before, during, and after those revelations came out, um, Herschel Walker would frequently, like every member of the GOP, talk about family values. And his son was also talking about family values. And, and his, son, his son's posts were quite, were quite sad, you know, to watch. It was clear that there was something wrong, something wrong in terms of the family, something dysfunctional. And, you know, as a progressive, it was pretty clear. I mean, Herschel Walker's son didn't hide the fact that he's gay. And it was, you know, watching those earlier social media posts where it looked like the implication was that he was supporting his father, supporting the GOP. Um, You couldn't help but feel like, like, why is this, is this young man supporting a candidate, even if that candidate's his father, that... You know that that's directly trying to repress his own community, right? And I imagine that's a terrible position to be in as a kid. Anyway, you know, he's not really a kid. I think he's in his twenties, but I'm in my fifties, so he's a kid to me. You know, and and, and so that's and I don't want to. This this particular podcast isn't going to go into the whole the the whole like um, struggling against your own values versus your family's value, a member of your family's values, especially a public figure. I mean, that's a I think it's a great discussion to have for a, another day. And, and once I start interviewing people, that might be a better discussion to bring someone on who actually knows what they're talking about as opposed to myself. But, um, but anyway, you know, but it was, but it was it, 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 it's always difficult for me to watch somebody who is clearly advocating against themselves, against their own, what's, you, you know, against their own personal communities. And then on top of that to you know, to see a, a a family self-destructing through social media, you know, it, 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 we've seen it, we see somebody self we saw it with Kanye, right? We saw Kanye who is, you know, who is clearly mentally ill. As much as, as you know, with Kanye West, it was uh, amusing at times to make fun of him. It was it was very difficult to watch Kanye uh, devolve emotionally 
in the media over the years. Um, and, and obviously politics became a part of that as Kanye supported Trump and everything else. But, but it's, I, don't, I don't like to see that stuff. But anyway, um, irrespective, today, Christian Walker comes out. I don't know. I guess it was a, a Twitter video that I saw today. Um, basically, you know, telling the truth. You know, basically saying that his father's campaign has been a lie. It's all been a lie. He and his mother agreed to, to, in essence, not to lie directly, but they kind of figured that the, you know, the GOP gatekeepers uh, told them that this was going to help. The, their dad was going to put his past behind him. He was going to be a good family man now. He was going to put all these nefarious behaviors behind him. And even though he might lie a little bit in the process, it was things were going to be better now that he was running for Senate. And in, in, in his video, Christian basically said that um, I was hoping that was going to be the case. It's not the case. All that my father is doing is lying and lying and lying, and I can't take it anymore, especially that my mom and I are now being put under the microscope. We're being attacked by folks on the right and folks on the left. I can't take it anymore. It was a lie. My father, he's talked about the number of kids his father had with other women, how he and his mother would be home and his father would be out sleeping with other women. He basically, for all intent and purposes, hopefully tanked Herschel Walker's campaign once and for all. Um, but I, I think, going back to what I was saying earlier, I, I think I'm not celebrating this moment. I mean, there have been many moments when I have waited for someone on the right who was involved with something awful usually related to Trump, to finally go on to Twitter or TikTok or go to the media and just admit the truth, just tell everybody, just have a, a sudden attack of conscience and, and just spill the beans and, and, and say what, we, what most of us already know so that the, de- the deniers and the opportunists on the right couldn't, um, couldn't just say that this wasn't happening anymore. You know, this, this, you know, what we all know is happening. They couldn't say it was not happening anymore. I have waited for that. Um, it really hasn't happened, except for this one time with, um, with Herschel Walker's campaign and with his son. But there was no satisfaction I found in hearing Christian Walker speak today. It was sad. It was pathetic. Um, these people are being destroyed. You know, this kid, his mom, they're going to be eviscerated by the right now. Eviscerated. And even those of us on the left, there's a lot of anger toward him. Like, why did you appear to support your father in the beginning? Why did you allow the politics of this to get to where, why didn't you, why didn't you put a stop to this sooner, right? And, but these are people, right? And, and, and he, and, 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 and this is what is so appalling about the modern day GOP. They take the most, when they can, in order to, to maintain power any way possible, they take sometimes the most vulnerable, 
um, sometimes the most dented folks that are accessible to them, they set them up in positions to fail and then cast them aside when they're no longer of value to them. They destroy people. They destroy families. They destroy lives. When you got to the point of Donald, Donald Trump, you were looking at someone willing to destroy a country, to destroy an entire concept of democracy. And this is like just everyday, like an everyday thing for them now. And, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's sad and it's, it's becoming normalized. There's an entire segment of our population now that's, that's just fine with this. You know, for a while, it was all about owning the libs, right? Cruelty was, it was about owning the libs and being as cruel as they could to brown people coming in from, you know, from the southern border. That was basically the platform of the GOP. But now, a little bit more of that platform is being exposed. And, and part of that is just to, you know, destroy anyone, even people who are supportive of, of their ideology, but to absolutely destroy them if it's potentially possible to help keep the GOP leadership in power in any capacity. And it's, it's, it's sick. It's un-American. Let's do the fake commercial. Do you need to shave your face once a week, three times a week, five times a week? I know I do, and I love Dollar Shave Club. I even love their catchy commercials on social media. Their commercials are pretty funny. (laughs) As a member of Dollar Shave Club, I spend $10 a month, and I get five cartridges every month, no matter what. Now, I never use all five cartridges before I get the next five cartridges. Currently, over two years of doing this, I always have three sets of five cartridges. That's 15 cartridges available for me every month at any given time. And I suggest you do the same. Use Dollar Shave Club. You can always have more cartridges than you can ever possibly use. It's a rainy day out here in New Jersey. It's kind of ominous, but then again, not really. I'm looking out of the picture window, the new picture windows, I might add, in the front of my house. And it's a little bit dreary. It's a little bit rainy. We have the remnants of the hurricane that battered Florida. And right now, it's nothing more than kind of like, you know, just a dark, chilly fall rain. We really get into Halloween in my house, so outside... In front of my house right now, I'm looking at these three creepy life-size skeletons, sort of Grim Reaper-type characters that are sort of staring out through the rain at the cars. And they have two other creepy skeletons that are sort of hanging off of this plant stand, blowing in the wind. And then, of course, we have the two pirate skeletons, one sitting on a barrel with a bottle of rum, and the other one, well, unfortunately, he's standing up with a... a, 
I don't know, what do they call that? I can't think of it. Not a telescope. The things that, you know, pirates would use to look across the horizon. Well, he's got one of those. But anyway, he's usually standing up, but the wind has blown him down on the ground. And then I have a couple other creepy skeleton-like characters. The only reason we mostly have skeletons is because that's kind of what's always left at the end of the season at Home Depot or Lowe's, and that's the stuff that nobody wants that's on sale. And that's the stuff that my wife and I buy, and so we kind of have a skeleton theme. I don't really know why I shared that with you. I guess I wanted to try to create a little bit of a visual on the podcast. Eh, So much for that. So this week I've also, in the self-help, self-improvement area, I've been getting into energy work. Now this is maybe a bit too weird, a bit too out there for a lot of my listeners, but I'll share it with you anyway. If it freaks you out, I won't be offended if you bail at this point. Um, I like I don't get too crazy with it um, in, in terms of weirdness, but I am fascinated by it. I'm, I'm fascinated by both sort of the science and the spiritual. I, I kind of like all that. And when it comes to energy work, there's a lot of that in there, right? So at the, let, let's, for all of you skeptical folk, uh, let's talk about the science first. I mean, it's, 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 it's established science already, right? That nothing is solid. Nothing in your life, nothing in your world, not even you or your couch or your bed or your favorite rock outside, or the bricks on your house, nothing is solid. When you you take these particular things and you view them at the atomic, you go to the molecular, the atomic, the subatomic levels, all that stuff is mostly empty space. It's just a matter of the way the atoms are arranged that is kind of what makes anything a thing. So I'm recording this right through my cell phone right now. And at the, at the atomic level, at the basic level, if you don't really dig into the details, there's no difference between the phone that I'm holding in my hand right now, talking to you through the physical phone itself, the sound waves, the vibrations that are coming out of my mouth, going into, that are being recorded by the phone, and the cellular data, well, it's not cellular, I guess it's fiber optic data, right? The, the, it's not really data, the fiber optic energy, the energy moving through the fiber optic cables that are, that's coming through the Wi-Fi in my house that's allowing me to stream this over the internet. There's no difference between all of those things. They're just energy at a subatomic level. So they're atoms and they're space, and that's it. You know, and then below that there's there's you know protons, neutrons, electrons, there's quarks at a lower level, but there's there there there's it's still empty space 
and atoms. Like it's literally all any of this is. So, so, so when I consider that idea that nothing is a solid thing, right? It, 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 it makes me wonder, you know, how I can affect the energy that is things in the world, you know, how, thing, how energy organizes itself to create things in the world or how we organize energy to create things in the world that we can hold and touch. And, you know, what am I trying to say? I'm losing my train of thought here. I'm fascinated by that process, right? I guess is what I'm trying to say. That um, that if that it's the same energy that I'm using that that's that I'm using to communicate sound to you is the same energy. Right now, I'm looking at my Takia Takia water bottle. It's the same thing. How can I affect that energy to benefit my life and the lives of others? Right. So doing some of these energy self improvement programs, basically what the teacher that I'm particularly um, doing a, it's not, I don't have a one-on-one with the teacher. It's, you know, it's an online program that I just watch. So, uh, but the teacher basically is coming up with all these concepts and these exercises, how we can better recognize energy um, and how we can use that energy to heal ourselves, to kind of heal the world. But but to me, it's mostly at this point about becoming aware of it. You know, I'm I'm aware of the phone I'm holding in my hand. I'm aware of my own body. I know that I'm breathing oxygen in, right? But all this empty space between the phone right now and my face, there's all this stuff happening. There's all this stuff there. I can't see it. But I can, if I start to become conscious of it, I can feel it. And then if I can feel it, then I should be able to affect it. I should be able to manipulate it in some capacity. And then you expand that out to, this is my, I'm I'm speaking about my mouth to the phone, which is seven inches or six inches away from my mouth. Well, what about if I look in in, in my kitchen right now and I can see, a Brita water bottle in the kitchen, right? That's 30 feet away from me at this point. Well, all in between that Brita water bottle and me is a ton of energy. Like there's a lot of shit going on that I can't see. How can I affect that energy? How can I affect that Brita water bottle? Now, let's say you're listening to this podcast and you're in Australia, hypothetically. I'm trying to think of as far away from New Jersey as you could be. Well, there's, again, there's all this empty space between me, which is a being of energy, and you, which is a being of energy. But is there a way that understanding the energy between us that I can affect you? And, you know, it sounds crazy, right? It sounds ridiculous. It's, it's you know, it's woke nonsense, Right. But if you think about this, energy travels at the speed of light, right? What's this? Alexa, what is the, how many miles per hour is the speed of light? The speed of 
light in a vacuum is about 670 million miles per hour. All right, the speed of light in a vacuum, if you didn't hear Alexa, uh, we're talking about a vacuum, but so be it. 670 million miles per hour. I don't know what the speed of light is outside of a vacuum, irrespective. But if, if light travels that fast, right? And light is certainly the personification of energy, you know, in the physical world, isn't it? Then if, the, if my energy can travel that fast or anywhere near that fast, it wouldn't take very long for my energy, if you're listening to this podcast in Australia, to make its way over to you. So what I'm curious about, and again, maybe it's crazy to even think this, but I'm intrigued by this, is can I affect you in any way? Sure, I can affect you if you're listening to Australia and you don't like, and if you're in Australia and you don't like what I'm talking about, I can affect you, right? You can get really mad about the sound that you're hearing. Um, but I'm not talking about that. I mean directly. Can I sort of experience my energy, visualize you in Australia, think a really good thought, think something very kind about you? And then does my energy travel at the speed of light or maybe faster or maybe slower? Well, nothing can go faster than the speed of light, but maybe slower or whatever. But does it travel and in some capacity, do you feel that good feeling? Do you feel that energy? And I think you do. I hope so. So if that's the case, I'm sending you all really good energy and nice feeling right now. Have a good week. Love you guys. Talk to you next Tuesday. This has been episode 11 of my Tuesday afternoon podcast. The podcast drops every Tuesday afternoon at some time, Eastern time. Thanks for stopping by.